This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We are in the book of Exodus chapter nine. We're going through the plagues of Egypt. And like I've been saying, they're not necessarily plagues in the sense that we think of them in our modern Western culture. We think of plagues more as disease that kills. In all actuality, we these plagues are not plagues, they're calamities. They're terror, terror, they're terrible situations that have befell Egypt. They're just awful. They're awful. Egypt, Egypt is 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 a picture of the world, and it's God's judgment on the world that we're seeing here. That being said, actually the fifth calamity, the fifth judgment, the fifth plague on Egypt is actually probably of all the plagues. It is the one that is, I guess, the most likely in its description. It's the one that's more likely to be called in our modern context. It's the one most likely to be called actually a plague. It's the it's the it's the one that actually is, as best I could probably describe it, a disease that came upon the livestock of Egypt. And I want to talk about something because I think it's really important that you see this. But let's read about the plague first. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and tell him. Thus saith the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, let my people go, that they may serve me. For if you refuse to let them go and still hold them, behold, the hand of the Lord will be on your cattle in the field, on your horses, on your donkeys, on the camels, on the oxen, on the sheep, a very severe pestilence. <clears throat> now, this word pestilence is what we really, in modern times, think of as a plague. It's the actual modern understanding of a disease. A pestilence in the biblical sense is an actual disease that that would befall a people, an actual disease that would move into an area. We know historically that pestilence or disease has swept through whole societies and communities, even to the point of utterly destroying some societies and some communities. In fact, one of the great empires of South America, Native American empires of South America, likely was destroyed by one of those before even the Westerners arrived on their shores. And uh, and for some reason, most of that, that empire just ceased to exist. And it doesn't appear from the archaeological record that it was a result of war. It's more likely that a disease moved through the area and totally decimated the people. Well, in our understanding of plagues, that's what we would call, and where we get that really is from the pl Black Plague or the Black Death, which ultimately destroyed most of Europe and most of Asia 
and deep into Africa during the Dark Ages and the Middle Ages of our history. And when we're studying these things, we see that. And if you'll notice, God is bringing this plague or this disease, whatever it is, on the farm animals. As you're looking at it, you could see if you are if you have a small child and you're singing Old MacDonald How to Farm, you got the cows, the moo, and then you got the horses, nah, and then you got the donkeys, eon, and I don't know exactly what a camel does, and I'm not sure an oxen, although I probably can make that sound, and sheep, bah. So you've got all the farm animals except for the small ones, You don't have any chickens or roosters here, but all the large farm animals that if you go to a farm and you're a young child are amazing. These giant beasts, these big animals that are that are the basis of our societies for millennia past are the basis of producing crops, but also most of the time the basis of most of the meat that cultures that have created societies, large societies where you have a diverse source of food and a lot of agriculture. These are the animals. These are the main ones. And I want you to notice, he says, behold, the hand of the Lord be on your cattle. He says in, in, in verse four, and the Lord will make a difference between the livestock of Israel and the livestock of Egypt. Now that's the key verse. And I want you to think about that. So nothing shall die of all that belongs to the children of Israel. Then the Lord appointed a set time saying, tomorrow the Lord will do these things in the land. What he's saying is I'm giving you a chance, but there's going to be a pestilence on your farm animals. And so the Lord did not did this thing on the next day and all the livestock of Egypt died, but the livestock of the children of Israel did not die. And so then Pharaoh sent, and indeed not even one of the livestock of Israel was dead. He sent someone to check and it says, but the heart of Pharaoh became hard. And he did not let the people go. I want you to, I want you to, as you're looking about, the, looking at this, see, first of all, this is not the most amazing plague. This is not the biggest pestilence. This is not the one, really, if you think about it, nobody ever really talks about this one. This one is the one that's secretive. You, frogs and flies and gnats, people not going to like that. Hail of fire, darkness for days on end. Those are bad river turning to blood. Those are, they're amazing. They got the big headline factor, but this not so much. However, this is probably one of the most devastating of the plagues. This is one of the plagues that really cost Egypt everything. When their livestock died, their ability to produce food and their source, a major source of their food Other than the Nile River now, also all the fish in the Nile are dead already. Other than the Nile River, their source of food is now going to have to be produced by their own strength, by their own power. They're going to have to, they're going to have to plow their own fields. They're going to have to dig their own trenches. They're going to have to, they're not going to have the power of these animals to make that happen. And more importantly, they're not going to have the sustenance that they can draw directly from these animals. They're not going to have the meat. And they're not going to have the ability to eat from these animals. They have lost great amounts of wealth and strength when this plague hits. This plague is a plague that is a true plague. It's a pestilence. It befalls Egypt. And it is a powerful plague because it utterly destroys their economy. There's going to be a couple of plagues to come that, that really eat Egypt down to its core take them to the very bottom. But this one is the toppling one. This one is the one where the stock market drops. This is, all the other ones are bad. 
All the other ones are very annoying. Frogs, gnats, flies, very annoying. A river turned to blood, scary. But this one is the one that causes the great devastation of, of Egypt. Because without these animals, there is no source of food and there is no ability to make food. And that is going to cause Egypt to spiral. And in all actuality, historically, we know just move, remove the children of Israel, remove the slaves, set them aside. We know that Egypt went into a tailspin economically and in a power sense for a few hundred years after a major event happened around 1400 BC. And that being said, we know that this took place and it was a devastating one. Now, oftentimes, as believers, we're asking God to deliver us from this. Lord, we're struggling with that. Lord, we have this situation going on and that situation, and I really need your help because without this, everything's going to go awry. And what we fail to realize is that the sustaining hand of God, the hand of God that keeps our lives on, on, on point, that keeps our lives going, that makes things good and actually makes life worth living and a joy and peace, that sustaining hand is holding things together that we take for granted. We take for granted that, that there's always going to be food in the grocery store. We take for granted that we're going to get whatever income that we normally have. We take for granted that our car is going to work and, and we go to bed expecting, especially in the South in the middle of July and late in early August, like we are right now, we go to bed, we go to bed expecting that the air conditioning is going to continue to work. We wake up and expect that when, when we turn the spigot, water is going to flow. We expect that when we walk in the house and cut the lights on that, that there's going to be electricity flowing through the wires of our buildings. We expect that the roads are going to be open, and we expect that if we need something, that the, the drug stores and the, and the gas stations and all the things that, that make up our modern society, we expect that those things are going to be there and that we're going to, we're going to have them and that everything is going to be fine. In fact, we live our lives as such that they are definitely in the background. We do not worry about the very critical, the very life-sustaining resources that God has provided us. And if they were removed, life if all the roads that existed today were removed, what kind of shape would we be in? How would your life change? If there were no more farm animals on the face of the earth in the United States today, how would your life be different? If there were no more electricity right now in this moment, how would your life change? If there were no more access to clean water, meaning there were no pipes, there were no faucets, there were no water towers, there were no water distillation plants, there were none of that going on, how would your life be different? If grocery stores didn't exist and you had to buy your food directly from farmers, how would your life be different? And as you think about each one of the what we call little things, but the truth is they are huge. They are mighty. They are, they are more than we can imagine. All these things, if one of them was gone, 
your life would spin into a whole different area. We would go literally back in many ways into the dark ages. We would go right back to where it was before. If you had to, if you had to deal with just one of these issues and they didn't exist, where would you be? And let me tell you something. If your kids didn't any longer have the ability to use their phones, we might actually have an actual riots and overturning of society if our children couldn't play on phones all the time, including our teenagers, which might even cause mass chaos and disaster wherever we are. I know that for a fact. And so as we look at life and as we consider things, God, we don't talk about the livestock being destroyed in Egypt as one of the calamities of Egypt, as one of the plagues of Egypt, as one of the terrible things of Egypt when we're discussing these things. God did some terrible stuff to the Egyptians. God definitely judged Egypt for their enslaving of his people. God definitely did some terrible things. What did he do? And never is it brought up that he destroyed all their livestock, but that is a core that is a core resource that uh, you, if you don't have, would not, your society does not exist. And let me tell you something, it destroyed Egypt. And if God was not sustaining you in all kinds of ways, if he was not sustaining you regularly, holding your life together regularly, if he was not at work all the time with his grace taking care of you, in so many ways that you just fail to even recognize. The truth is, you fail to really recognize the depth of the depravity of your sin, and the truth is, you fail to recognize the wonder and the beautiful work of God at work all the time in your life, sustaining your life. You fail to realize all the things and all the things that are necessary, the things on a molecular level, the things on a physical level, the things on a societal level that God is always constantly doing to sustain you and to take care of you and to make your life good. And you run around so many times like Chicken Little, acting like the world is about to end, acting like things that are of so insignificant importance are the most important thing in the world. You run around and do that all the time. And oftentimes, you, you never sit back and recognize the good that God has given you, the great that God has given you, the wonder that God has given you, and the beauty that God has given you. You, don't, you take it for granted. And I would say to you, that is as sinful as anything else. The failure to recognize the hand of God at work in your life is, a, is at a core reveals that you are selfish and you do not really understand how good your God really is. And we all do it. It's who we are. We overlook what God's doing, and we focused on the one little thing that causes us a problem. We're the princess with the P. Y'all know that old story, and if you don't, you're too young. But, you know, the princess, if you put a P under her mattress, she can't sleep. Just a little P, because everything's just not perfect. And no matter how many matches you sh you st stack on top of that P, she can still feel that one little P, that one little ripple, that one little spot in the mattress, and she can't sleep. Are you that way? Is there little things that you are blowing up into giant things and making your life a turmoil and tumultuous? And the truth is that God is has been giving you so much goodness and so much grace and so much love that you've been taking a taking advantage taking 
it for granted. Let me ask you that. Is that going on with you? Is that happening in your life? Are you doing that? I dare say every one of us are. I dare say that we don't get up every day and say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I promise you, most of us don't. But the truth is that there are some really mighty big things out there that God has provided for you. Big things that you couldn't even live life if you didn't have. And if he took them, we wouldn't have them at all. And if you don't sit back every once in a while, realize the great that God has done for you and give him praise for that. Well, you just a little whiny. If you want to know the truth, you're, you're immature. In many ways, you're small. And we need to make sure that we're not that way. We need to make sure that we have grateful hearts full of expectation, hearts expecting really big things, and hearts that turn toward God. I pray that'll be the case for you. It's, I wholly expect that it will be. And I promise you this, when you turn around and recognize all that God's doing, he, he allows you to experience it sweeter and better than ever before. And why don't you do that? Turn around and see the good that God has done. Recognize the great day that he's given you. Rejoice and be glad in it. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.